You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Revelation uh, chapter 1 in your Bibles, we started a few weeks ago and we got into this particular uh, book and this series and I hope it's been a blessing to you. I feel like we haven't gotten very far, uh, but uh, I hope it's already been an encouragement. First of all, we saw in this uh, chapter, we saw the title of the book and uh, don't forget that the book of Revelation was not given to cause confusion. The book of Revelation was giving, given to help you understand and to help us understand God's plan. It is a revealing, it is an uncovering, it is an unveiling. Number two, we said in this book that the theme of the book, this book is all about Jesus. Don't lose sight of Jesus as you go through the book of Revelation. Don't get so so worried about, well, what about the beast and what about the, the seven trumpet judgments? And we'll talk about that. But don't forget the entire time of all the judgments and all the tribulation and all the bloodshed and all the plagues, don't forget who's on the throne. And I got news for you. He has not stepped off. He is on the throne and he's in control. His name is Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Verse one, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him. That's the theme of the book. Number uh, three, we saw a couple weeks ago, the title of the author. John says, I'm just a servant. Boy, there's a lot of things that John could have said. He could have said, I was in the inner circle. You know, Peter, James, and John, he could have said, I wrote the gospel of John, and I, uh, I wrote the, 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 the books of 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and I was the one that at the Last Supper, I was the one that leaned on Jesus' breast, literally meaning he was shoulder to shoulder, touching Jesus and close to Jesus, but John didn't say any of that stuff. John just said, let me just say I'm a servant, and I hope we never get too big to be servants for God. I hope we never get too proud and too lifted up that we can't just in humility say, hey, God, however you want to use me, whatever it is, that's all I want is to be a servant. Think about this, at the judgment seat of Christ, I believe the words that we will hear, if we have done well, I believe it will be, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't think it's going to be, well done, thou good and faithful supervisor. Well done, thou good and faithful boss. You know, I think God's looking for some servants and may we be servants for the King of Kings. Number four, the target audience. And we'll look at this a lot these next few weeks, but the target audience is the seven churches in Asia Minor. We'll get into those in the weeks ahead. Number five, we saw in this chapter, the Trinity. Verse four, the seven spirits uh, to the seven churches. And we took some time talking about uh, the Trinity. Don't ever forget, that is not a man-made belief. That is not just something that sounds good. The Trinity is all through the Word of God. How many gods are there? It's only one. But how many persons make up the Godhead? There are three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all coexistent. They're all co-equal. They are all co-eternal. There's not one that's above the other. There are three persons there is one God. And don't ever forget that. That is throughout the Bible. We've talked about that 
and we'll talk about it some more. Number six, I want you to notice in verse 10, we see the timing. I, I had a lot I wanted to say about this. I'm going to wait and I'm going to explain and teach and preach a lot on this Sunday morning from verse 10. But I love this verse. John says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And uh, I love, I love the Lord's day. You say, well, what day is the Lord's day? Well, come Sunday and you'll find out. I'm going to tell you all about the Lord's day. It's going to be good. Uh, I hope. I know it's been a blessing to me. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and that was the timing. And we'll talk more about that uh, this Sunday morning. I think it'll help us in our Revelation series. But number seven, this is where we'll pick up tonight. I want you to notice in verse 10, the turning. John says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, unto Thyatira, unto Sardis, unto Philadelphia, unto Laodicea. Verse 12, and I turned. Wow, look at what John saw. I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, John says, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Verse 13. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle, his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Verse 17, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Lord, I pray you'd speak to us as we look at your word. Help us to understand. I pray that we would not only understand the truths and understand the words, but I pray that we would apply the message to our hearts, and I pray that we would get a fresh and a, a, a new and a, a vivid glimpse of Jesus in our lives. I pray that you'd help us uh, to get our eyes back on Jesus. May we see you, and may we realize that you are on the throne. You are in control of our lives. You're in control of our families. You are in control of everything. You are sovereign. And I pray we give you glory and pray we give you honor tonight in this service. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The turning. We see in this passage of scripture that John heard a voice. The voice was like a trumpet. We'll see another uh, voice like a trumpet in Revelation 4. Uh, when we get there, I'll explain more of what that is. But John says, when I turned to see the voice, he said, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Now, he heard a voice, and remember, John is on an island right now. He is exiled on an island. Uh, he is there probably by himself, or at best, there might be some other prisoners. There might be some other convicts on that island, 
But John is there thinking he is all by himself. They've just tried to execute him and the execution failed. They tried to burn him in a, a pot of boiling oil and somehow miraculously he was spared. His life was saved. And I think we know why, because God had a plan for John. And by the way, you and I are indestructible as long as we are in God's plan and God's will, God's timing. Now the time will come uh, and don't tempt God. Don't say I'm indestructible. I'm going to go skydiving without a parachute. You know, don't tempt God. But can I tell you, you don't have to worry. You don't have to fear. You don't have to stress. Uh, I think we ought to be wise. I think we ought to be careful. I think we ought to be, be, be you know, wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But, but God's going to take care of you. Uh, the, the psalmist wrote and said, behold, my time is in God's hand. And John's on the island all by himself and hears a voice. And he thinks, perhaps, I wonder who on this island knows I'm here. I thought I was by myself, or at least I thought I was here without anybody else that knew me. And, and John turns to see the voice that talked to him. But notice what he saw first when he turned. He didn't see the person, but he saw seven golden candlesticks. Now, verse number 20, look, if you would, at verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels or the messengers of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven what? Churches. So John sees, the, uh, hears a voice, he turns and he sees seven golden candlesticks and those candlesticks represent the seven churches that we're going to look at in the next few chapters. By the way, what, what does a candlestick do? <laughs> it holds a candle, right? And that candlestick is used to give light. Now, the candlestick itself doesn't produce the light, but the candlestick, it holds up the light. It, it, it displays the light. If we had, and, and we don't have it up here, you've seen it for weddings and all that, but if we had candlesticks up here and those candlesticks were not lit, that might get your attention for a moment, but after a while, you'd lose interest in a candlestick that didn't have a candle that wasn't putting forth light. The candlestick is not accomplishing anything. Well, these seven candlesticks are the seven what? Churches. Well, guess what the job of the church is? The job of the church is to show forth the light. The job of the church is to show forth the light of the gospel and the light of Jesus Christ. And if we're not showing the light of the gospel, and if we're not showing the light of Jesus Christ, we are not fulfilling our purpose. If all we're doing is trying to shine up that brass on that candlestick and try to make that candlestick look pretty, we're wasting our time. The candlestick is supposed to shine the light. And that is what John saw. He saw the seven candlesticks. But notice what he saw in verse number 10. Excuse me, in verse number, um, uh, where are we at here? Verse number 12. He said, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. We'll come back to the candlesticks. But then he says this, in the midst of the seven candlesticks. There was one like unto the Son of Man. Now, I want you to hold your place here in Revelation 1. And I want you to turn with me to Daniel 
chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. You see, sometimes we read these, these names and we've read the scripture and we've read the Bible and it's just, it's another name. It's just another phrase. It's just another term. But when the Son of Man is used, it's not used flippantly. It is not used casually. When John says, I saw one likened to the Son of Man, I want you to notice Daniel chapter 7. And the Bible tells us in verse number 13, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him, and there was given unto him, the Son of Man, there was given unto him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Can I tell you what's so significant about the Son of Man? Is the Son of Man is a name that was ascribed to Jesus Christ to demonstrate his deity and also his humanity. You see, God sent his son, Jesus, and Jesus, the Bible says, he humbled himself. He set aside the glory of heaven. He became a servant and was found in the likeness of man. Turn with me, if you would, hold your place. Oh, I don't know if you can hold your place in all these places, but we're coming back to Daniel 7. I want you to turn with me, if you would, please, to the book of Mark. I want you to look at Mark 14. Mark 14, we see this term, the Son of Man in Daniel 7, and it, there is no doubt, this is Jesus. Because the Ancient of Days, God himself, he hands him the dominion, he hands him the kingdoms of the earth, and his kingdom is forever and ever and ever, as opposed to all the other kings whose dominion just lasts a short time, and then they're dead and gone. But notice Mark 14. The Bible says in verse number 60, this is the trial. <laughs> I wouldn't say a trial, maybe the mock trial of Jesus. It says in verse 60, And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? Verse 61, But he held his peace and answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him and said unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And notice what Jesus said, verse 62. He said, I am. Guilty as charged. It's exactly who I am. I am the Son of God. But not only that, notice what he says. And ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. You know what was so significant about that? was everybody in that courtroom, they knew Daniel 7. And they knew when Jesus claimed to be the Son of Man, he was claiming to be God. He was claiming to be equal with God. And verse number 63, Then the high priest rent his clothes and said, What need we any further witnesses? Ye have heard the blasphemy. What think ye? And they all condemned him to be guilty of death. You know why? You know why they crucified Jesus? Not because he did a lot of miracles. Not because he healed some people. They crucified Jesus because he claimed to be God. And can I tell you, he is God. 
and he always has been, and he always will be. And when John saw that, that man in the midst of those seven golden candlesticks, and he said, one likened to the Son of Man, there's no mistake who he was talking about. He was talking about Jesus Christ. Notice with me, if you would, go back to Daniel uh, chapter 7, and uh, look at verse number 9. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit down, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool, and his throne like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. We see in Daniel chapter 7, we see a very similar description of God into what John saw in, John, in Revelation 1 of Jesus. We see uh, some of the same description. So here we are now, we're talking about the turning. And John sees Jesus and he's in the, the midst of the, the candlesticks, which by the way, that's where Jesus ought to be. He ought to be in the midst of the church. Jesus ought to be welcome in his church. Jesus ought to have a free reign in his church. Jesus ought to have veto power in his church. Jesus ought to be the one who is preeminent in his church because it belongs to him. He's the one that paid for it. He's the one that gave his life for the church. But now we see in verse number 13, it says, In the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot. Here is Jesus, the Son of Man, and he's clothed in a garment, in a robe, all the way down to his feet. This was a robe that would have been worn by a king, a robe that would have been worn by a judge. And we're getting ready to see in the book of Revelation that Jesus is both of those. He is the king and he is the judge. It goes on to say that he had uh, uh, around his chest, he had a golden girdle. You know who wore the, the gold and you know who wore uh, those, those, those precious stones on their clothing? It was the kings. And John begins to describe what he saw Jesus wearing. Then it says in verse 14, his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were a flame of fire. The fact that his uh, hair was, was white like wool, white as snow, it speaks of the fact that he is eternal. It's a reference to uh, the fact that Jesus is the ancient of days. His eyes were as a flame of fire. Have you ever had a, a boss, a parent, or somebody that they could look you in the eyes and you felt like they were looking right through you? Can I tell you, if you've seen that, you haven't seen anything compared to what you'll see when you see Jesus and you see the eyes of Jesus looking into yours. By the way, his eyes see everything. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. He knows our thoughts. He knows our motives. He knows the intentions of our heart. And we see John gives the description of his eyes and then it says his feet were like fine brass. Brass in the Bible represents judgment. And not only will Jesus judge the churches, he's in the midst of the churches, he's getting ready to pass judgment down to the churches, but not only is Jesus the judge of all the churches, but he's the judge of all the earth. Uh, by the way, that's why you don't have to worry about being the judge. 
That's why you don't have to worry about settling the score. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Let God take care of it. Boy, sometimes we get ourselves in trouble because somebody does something wrong to us, somebody hurts us, and boy, we get the fists up and we go to town and usually we make things worse than if we would just let God handle things and let him settle the score. The Bible says his voice is the sound of many waters like the roar of an ocean, so powerful. When God speaks, we should listen. But then it says that he had in his right hand seven stars. The Bible tells us in verse 16, those stars found in verse number 20, those stars are seven angels. That word angel is the word messenger. It's possible these were actual angels that were sent to the seven churches. It's also possible that these seven angels or these seven stars were the pastors who pastors are to be messengers. Pastors are to deliver the message uh, to the churches that God has given. We see that he held them in his hand. And may we be reminded tonight of the fact that God holds us in his hand. And we all are to be messengers. We are all to share the gospel. We are all to deliver the good news that Jesus saves. And he holds us in his hand. Praise God for that. The Bible says that out of his mouth, this is John seeing the vision of Jesus in the midst of the candlesticks. And out of his mouth, the Bible says, there went a sharp two-edged sword. Well, Hebrews 4.12, the Bible tells us about the Bible itself that the word of God is quick and powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Revelation 19 tells us when Jesus comes back and he destroys the armies of the world at Armageddon, that he will open his mouth and out of his mouth will come a sharp two-edged sword. And with that sword, with the words of Jesus, the armies of the world will be annihilated. Can I tell you, that's a powerful God that doesn't even have to raise a fist, doesn't even have to raise a hand. All he has to do is just speak. And that same power that said, let there be light, and there was light. And that same voice that said to the wind and the waves, peace be still. And I tell you, that's a powerful voice. And I'm thankful that we can listen to the voice of God. We have the word of God that we can hear. And may God forgive us uh, for so often taking it for granted. We see in verse number 16, and John said, His countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. John said, literally, as I'm trying to look at his countenance, at his face, I feel like I'm looking into the sun and all of its power and all of its brightness and John describes Jesus that way uh, reminds me of Matthew 17 where we find the story of the transfiguration and remember who was there present up on that mountain it was Peter James and John and John now says I saw Jesus and his countenance was as bright as the sun but then we see in verse number 17 John says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Now, I hope, I hope you'll hear me, and I hope, I hope this will come across with the compassion that I, I feel in my heart about this. I, don't, I can't speak for anybody else, but I will say this. A lot of people talk about, I shouldn't say a lot of people, some people talk about, I've, ta I've, I've met them, I've talked to them. 
and they will say things like this. And if you've ever told me this, I want you to know I feel the same way about what you told me as anybody else. I, I don't doubt you. I, I believe you. But I find it hard to believe that people will say that they've died and they've gone to heaven and they see Jesus and Jesus says, it's not your time yet, you need to go back and they come back and it doesn't have any effect on them. It's like I, use, I don't usually find them in church, I usually find them out and about when we're out knocking on doors inviting people to come to church. And I'm thinking, if you saw Jesus like Revelation 1. And, and I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that they don't think that. I'm just saying, I know what I believe. And if I have to believe what your description was or what the Bible's description is, I'm going to believe the Bible's description. And John says, when I saw him, there wasn't anything to say. I just fell down on my face as though I were dead. By the way, I'll say this. I think we need to get back to a reverence and a respect and an awe for the things of God. I think church, and I think church services sometimes, I think they can become just so casual. And, and, and I'm not just talking about the dress, I'm talking about in our attitude. I'm talking about sometimes we treat church like we're coming to a ball game, or we treat church like we're just going to a party. And I want to tell you, when the word of God is preached and when the, the songs are sung to glorify and praise the Lord, I think there ought to be a respect and I think there ought to be a reverence and I think it ought to do something to us to think that we are coming before the throne of God to worship the King of Kings. And John said, when I saw him, when I got a glimpse of Jesus, I wasn't high-fiving him. I wasn't saying, hey, Jesus, how's it going? What's up, man? John said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though I were dead. Verse number 17, I love this. He says, and he, that is Jesus, he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, fear not. Aren't you thankful for the times that Jesus reaches down and puts his hand on you and says, fear not. Aren't you thankful for the times when you don't know what to do and your life is a mess and your life is out of control? And I imagine for John, he was that way. He's exiled. He's away from friends and family and he's on this island. He doesn't know what in the world he's doing there. And Jesus shows up and the first thing he says is, John, everything's okay. Fear not. Aren't you glad for the touch of God? Aren't you thankful for the faithfulness of God? Aren't you thankful for the power of God when he touches you and when, he, when he, he calms you and he says, hey, there's no reason to fear. Hey, you may be going through a storm. You may be going through a trial. You may be going through a valley deeper than you've ever been, but there's no reason to fear. Here's why. Because Jesus is with you. And John was on the island, but he was not alone. Jesus was there. He says, fear not. I am the first and I am the last. Can I tell you, that's, that's a description of God. We find in the Bible the first and last, the beginning and the end. He's the alpha, he's the omega. And Jesus says, I'm the first, I'm the last. And then he says this, verse 18, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. Now think about this. If Jesus says, I am alive, 
That means you don't have to worry about anything in life because Jesus is alive. He, he's got it under control. If he said he was dead, you don't have to fear dying because Jesus has already been there. He's already conquered death. As a matter of fact, he not only conquered it, he came back with the keys. He's got the authority over death. Ain't nobody dies without Jesus' authority and ain't nobody rises again without his authority. He's got the keys. He's in control. But then I like this. He says, I not only am he that liveth, and I was dead, but then he says, behold, I am alive forevermore. He's never going to die again. He is never going to be crucified again. They're not going to stop him. They're not going to touch him. They're not going to bring him down. He lives forevermore. And if Jesus is alive forevermore. If he could conquer death, I want to tell you, he can take care of you and me. John had been on this island. We don't know how long, but historians tell us that it had probably been 40 or 50 years since John had seen Jesus. Remember, he walked with Jesus. He was there with Jesus. He saw the miracles. He was there when Jesus hung on the cross. He was there after the resurrection and he saw Jesus on that Sunday morning when Jesus rose from the dead. He was there that Sunday night when Jesus showed up to the disciples. He was there when Jesus ascended back in heaven. John had seen Jesus. He knew what Jesus looked like. But he said this, I had never seen him like this. You know why? Because he wasn't seeing Jesus who was bloody and he wasn't seeing Jesus who was beaten. And he wasn't seeing Jesus who was in his human form, in his human body. He was seeing Jesus in all of his power, in all of his glory. And John saw that. And John said, everything's going to be all right. Jesus said, I have the keys of hell and of death. Verse 19, write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. Here we see an outline of the book. In verse 19, uh, Jesus told John, he said, write the things which you've seen already, Revelation 1, write that. And then he said, then write the things that are. That's the, the, the seven churches where Jesus would walk in the midst of those candlesticks. But then he says, and then write the things that shall be hereafter. That's the prophecies that Jesus will give to John. And then verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand. We said the seven stars are the seven churches. And the seven, uh, uh, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. The seven candlesticks are the seven churches. So here's what we need to know. The book of Revelation is all about Jesus. The book of Revelation we see 39 times in this book reference to the throne of God. And I want to say this. We know that Jesus is on the throne in heaven. We know that. And nobody's going to take away his throne. Nobody's going to remove him from being king. He's king of kings and he's Lord of lords. But what about this? I wonder tonight, who's sitting on the throne in your life? I wonder who's sitting on the throne in your heart. So, well, Pastor, I've been saved and Jesus is my Savior. Good, I'm glad for that. But did you know that Jesus needs to be sitting on that throne not just the day you got saved, but every day of your life, you need to make Jesus Lord. I'm not talking about salvation now. I'm not talking about you, you lose your salvation. You got to get it back every day. I'm talking about every day 
you ought to give Jesus control. Every day you ought to yield yourself to the Holy Spirit and say, I don't want control of my life. I want you to take control. This book of Revelation, we'll see as we go through this study, this book of Revelation is not a book of defeat, but it's a book of victory. Did you know God wants you to have the victory? And God has given you and I the ability to have victory every day of our lives. You say, well, yeah, when we get to heaven, we'll get the victory then. Oh, no, you can have the victory right now. John was on an island. He was exiled. He was, he was uh, uh, being uh, punished for his crimes of, of preaching the gospel. He was on an island. But you know what John was doing? He was having victory. John was an overcomer. We see in the book of 1 John, John wrote about it. 1 John chapter 2, 1 John 4, 1 John 5, and then all throughout the book of Revelation, John talks about being an overcomer. And I want to challenge you as you study the book of Revelation, as we go through this book, uh, let's look for applications that we can make and let's be overcomers. I don't know what you're battling tonight. I don't know what you're struggling with tonight, but I know this. God wants you to be an overcomer. I don't know what, what battle you're facing right now, but I know this. God wants you to have the victory and the victory has already been won. Jesus already won it. All you have to do is claim it. But thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.